Welcome to The Art of Social Media, a podcast by Social Pilot. We host in-depth discussions with world-leading social media marketing experts that will help you discover the techniques, strategies, and skills you need to use to grow your business using social media. Now, here's your host, Tejas Mehta. Are there any tactics or strategies that only smaller companies can do? Like being nimble, does it provide like any tactical advantage? Yeah, I would say it's, yeah, on the tactical side, again, it's, you can be iterative, you can test things. So you don't need to go through a whole creative process to get things approved. You don't need to like spend weeks waiting for like that ad copy and wait for legal and all this stuff. You can just go. And when it works, great, keep going. When it doesn't, pull back. I'd say to a fault though, a lot of people don't give enough time for ads to play out, for their performance to play out, to see how it's working before they pull it. Like the biggest miss in most marketers and most, you know, sort of amateur marketers. And I, when I say amateur, their title can be CMO. They still might be an amateur is the idea of a purchase cycle. When you're measuring your marketing, you have to remember that your average sales cycle is usually between three weeks and three months on a product online. So let's just say a month on average. So if it's a month on average and I run an ad for a week and it doesn't perform and I turn it off, well, who knows if it performed? It hasn't been a month. Like now there's leading indicators that can give you some insight, but the true performance isn't going to be there for a long time. So, you know, you've got to be really careful moving too quickly. We see that happen with frantic entrepreneurs all the time. They want to turn things on and off on a daily basis. And it's like, you just never end up finding any traction because you don't even know where anything is coming from at that point. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, patience is a key at the same time, understanding the longer sales cycle. Like you mentioned, you know, they need not be amateur uh, CMOs. Let me talk about uh, organic marketing. Where do you think organic marketing is going on social? Is it still relevant? Is it non-relevant? Oh, yeah. Marketing on social is completely relevant. Like that's uh-huh. the probably still the best place to market. I mean, I mean the, the issue that you see is like the tracking situation is harder. You have to use third-party tracking to see the performance, but it's literally the best place to advertise still. How about the organic part of marketing? Organic publishing? Yeah. Yeah, it's... I'd say it's a neat, it's a necessary evil, so to speak, of like, you kind of want to be relevant. So it's kind of a trust factor to show activity, to post on social. It's a good top of mind for a small piece of your audience, but you're only going to organically reach generally 0.1% of your audience. So like, no, I wouldn't invest too much in that. I would just look at it as something you have to manage over time. Got it. For more for branding purposes, just showing that you're alive, that kind of stuff? Right, exactly. Makes a lot of sense. What are your thoughts on TikTok? As an advertising platform, it's incredible. Like it's hyper addictive. It's built on an a, a interest graph instead of a social graph. So you're able to seed in random videos, advertisements in a way more seamless way than you could even on Facebook and Instagram. But it's definitely on the geopolitical side, I'm really questioning it because it's definitely there's some weird stuff going on on that platform too. So from an advertising and a brand standpoint, though, it's definitely compelling. But I, it's it, there's, there's reasons India banned it and other countries are looking at it and our own countries looking at it. Yeah, yeah. I hear about it all the time. Apparently, it's on the president's desk to sign or not sign. We'll we'll get to see what happens in government. My understanding there is it's to sign to ban it on government devices, not as a country. Uh, isn't that a start? It's a start for sure. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Are your clients uh, jumping on TikTok for organic or paid content? Yeah. Hundred percent. Yeah, we have a ton. We were TikTok's first marketing agency partner in the U.S. Oh, amazing! What are your thoughts on ChatGPT? Like you mentioned, it's helping in creative creating content, etc. Does your agency actively use it? Yeah, we use it to augment. I mean, again, this is not like that's where it's funny to hear like, oh, this is going to replace everything. It's like you don't understand AI, AI if you think this, you know, confluence of it's basically a better interface for Google. Like it's not 
as compelling. Now, don't get me wrong. I think it's, you know, the way it serves up, it's, it's really, it is a really interesting tool, but it's a great way to like get some thought joggers. But remember, it's regurgitating everything that's already out there. So there's nothing creative or nuanced about it. It's just going to give you the straightforward answer, which again, I've put together white papers and things. It's a great start. And then you really need to bring more oomph to it to make it quality. Interesting. It's great to kick off certain content and things. You also mentioned that uh, you have some internal AI tool that you use to kind of monitor competition and generate uh, insights from that. What is that about? So it's taken us eight years to build, but we have Hawk AI, which has 8,000 companies marketing data running through it in real time. And we can actually benchmark against individual companies. So we can look at your brand and go, your Facebook ads are performing at 10% less than it was last quarter. And so that doesn't mean it. The problem is people will be like, well, we got to fix Facebook. It's down 10%. It's like, well, what if the whole market's down 30 and you're outperforming the market? It's just a Facebook problem, not a you problem. In that, with that information, what I'd be doing is taking budget from Facebook and finding the other channels that aren't down. But if I found out that everyone else is up 20 and I'm down 10, then I'd be trying to fix Facebook. And then what's, okay, so when we dive in, what's, what's broken? Let's look at my CPMs. Let's look at my click-through rates. How do those compare to my industry? And so we have all the different metrics revenue metrics, different media channels, et cetera. So we can actually show a company this is exactly where you're missing and how to optimize. Interesting. And you use that for all your clients or is it used for selected selective clients? We use it on our end for all of our clients. But then we, we have a lot more than that. We have 2,000 paying users on the platform as well. Oh, I, I didn't realize it was a paying platform as well. So it's like a SaaS product yeah. or Hawkeye? Uh, Hawk Media? Yeah. Okay. Interesting. You mentioned about uh, a lot of channels being utilized by your team. Uh, are there any platforms or channels that are usually ignored by first-time CMOs? I mean, a ton. Hawk AI, obviously, it's not. It's just getting out there. That's probably the biggest one because that is super powerful in what we're able to do with it. I, I mean, we, we have, a again, a whole venture fund focused on MarTech and Comtech. So like Super Affiliate, which is an incredible platform for like ambassador programs, affiliate programs, spinning up automated landing pages, et cetera. We invest in that, but we also use it PostScript, the SMS marketing side, I think is widely overlooked in marketing. A lot of people use it now, but a lot of people don't. And I think that's crazy. What else? Um, we use fairing because, again, tracking is such an issue for a lot of people. Fairing is like post-purchase surveying. So you can actually, like what's old is new again, you can actually find out where people are coming from, what their interests are, et cetera. Like, I think that's a great platform. Tapcart to, you know, the mobile side, it's really interesting to be able to provide a mobile app for your brand for cheap for your super customers, so to speak, all those kind of things. Like it's it's hard to say what CMOs aren't using because there's plenty of CMOs using this, but there's mm -hmm. plenty that are. Got it. Makes a lot of sense. Interesting names. I'm I'm going to list them down in the uh, transcript. What do you think is the future of social? It's funny. I had this conversation at lunch. I don't know. I mean, I think it's interesting to see. I mean, the, the, again, the sort of more political, like social conversation around it is interesting. Whether it is TikTok and the geopolitical side or even meta and like how people are affected by these platforms and how it, there's a lot of negative things associated with it. I'm curious. I, I was talking about it because I have a six month old and I'm like, I'm really curious when she becomes of like social media age, because I watched some of these, you know, 10 year olds and stuff on it, what that's going to look like. Because right now it's a huge problem with youth and getting hyper addicted to it and antisocial tendencies that come from it because they don't experience normal social behavior. They're all on their phones all the time. Like it's like, it's interesting to see how that's changing society and, you know, some would argue for the worse. So how does that go over time from an advertising perspective? As long as you have a hyper addictive platform where you have all the information on someone you could possibly have, it's a really compelling advertising platform. So as a marketer, social media is incredible. 
as a member of society, it's interesting to, and again, I'm not saying it's all bad. I'm just saying that because the, the other amazing thing about it is like the ability to stay connected with so many people over time and actually touch base with friends of mine from childhood and things that I would have never connected with before social media. Like there's something really cool about keeping that wider community open, but it, it'll be interesting to see how that continues to transform as the world evolves, so to speak. Interesting. What are your thoughts on metaverse? I think right now it's mostly BS. Um, I think if you're going to say what the practical part of the metaverse that actually exists, it's video games. And online gaming has been around a long time and it's great and it's cool. And there's all there's been, you know, I don't know if you remember IGE, but there was a website to sell World of Warcraft gold and other video game currencies way before Bitcoin. So like that's all been around for a while. Do I think that we're on the verge of all living in a virtual world? No. Do I think that there's going to be a digital overlay on what we do in certain ways. I mean, if you think about it, like the amount of people that carry cash on them is diminishing fast. And so the dollar is becoming a digital currency in that way. I'm not saying in a blockchain way, but we all just trade a number that's on a screen in our bank account and pay, you know, move numbers around is how we yeah. all manage money these days. So it's all, I'd consider that if you wanted to get really broad, that's the metaverse. Our currency is living in the metaverse in some senses. It's a digital representation of a physical good. Like that is happening. But in terms of the way people like Ready Player One, I don't think that's happening anytime soon, if it does. Interesting. I love that. Good to know. Great movie, like great story. Yeah. You know, awesome. <laughs> I'm a gamer. Like I love playing games, like all that. But like I see like the more practical, like, monetary use of the sort of what people are calling the metaverse, whether, and again, let's take meta and the Oculus, like it's a gaming platform. There's going to be some yeah. uses for training and stuff, but I'm watching a lot more people try to fit a product to a need versus finding a uh, solution to a need where it's like, oh, like I, I actually talked to someone today about supply chain being fixed by the blockchain. It's like, yeah, if you believe that transparency and supply chain is a huge issue and everybody wants to solve it, that you could have an open, you know, a public ledger that allows you to see where every step of your product came from and where it was sewn and da, 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 and you want to have that all be open ledger. There are obviously like blockchain is compelling for that. The issue is, I don't know what the demand is for that. Like, again, it's you're trying to plug in this idea of open ledger into something that like, do people really care? Because like, I don't really like in my experience, like there's tons of issues with supply chain, but that trans that part of it hasn't necessarily been it. Usually you do know where your stuff's coming from. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. I know you have a hot stop. So where do people find you online? How can people follow you? Yeah, just add or slash Eric Huberman on any social channel. Pretty easy to get to. And then or just hawkmedia.com. Got it. Awesome. Thanks a lot, Eric. Uh, really insightful conversations. We'll get you more. We'll get you again on the podcast. There's a lot of things that I want to ask you, but I want to be respectful of your time as well. Thanks again. Really appreciate it. For having me. The Art of Social Media is brought to you by Social Pilot. To find out more about Social Pilot and how we can give you everything you need to hit your social media marketing goals, visit socialpilot.co. And then make sure to search for The Art of Social Media in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found. Make sure to click follow so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Social Pilot, Thanks for listening.